Just tuning in out there on the interwebs, Pastor Paul here in the home office, as you can see over my right shoulder, I'm flanked by Martin Luther over the left, Charles Spurgeon. And so um, that's all I was going to say about that. It's a rather intimidating um, place to be right here on this couch, but I'm glad to glad to be here with you on this Tuesday morning. Hey, apologies. Um, the last couple of times here, we've had some bureaucratic technical snafus and we couldn't do this on Friday. And then I think yesterday it was cut off short, but by God's grace, we've got it all figured out. And now we are, hope Lord willing, moving forward on a consistent basis here, Monday through Friday, walking through the book of Exodus. And so just to kind of bring us up to speed, God has appeared to Moses and he has told him he is God's chosen anointed to go and be the leader of God's people to lead them out of Egypt. And there's been a whole series of questions that Moses has had. Who, who do I tell them has sent me and who am I to do this thing? And anyway, then we get to this interesting passage in chapter four, where um, it tells us some interesting things about Moses's faith, his doubt, God's response to that doubt, and how that relates to us. So let me read for us. We're going to be in Exodus again, four. We're going to read one through 17, pray, and then dive in. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall turn, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with you and with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Let's pray. Lord, um, teach us this morning about your power, your might, your glory, your authority, and your grace. 
and teach us about our dependence, about our weakness, about our need, our, our ever-present need for your help and grace and mercy. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Um, let me give you what is oftentimes, I think, the stereotypical or traditional, maybe, interpretation of this, then offer up an alternative um, to, to how we understand this. A lot of times, what we, what we the way we view this passage is that uh, Moses goes through this whole series of, oh, woe is me, I can't do this calling the Lord God, and finally he says, I can't speak. And because Moses is a terrible public speaker, he raises up Aaron to be his mouth, mouthpiece for him. Um, and this is kind of what we would kind of term God's second, second best, right? Um, he wanted Moses to be the speaker, but now Aaron's the speaker and yada, yada. Well, I think that's to misunderstand what's happening in the text. And, and I'm really indebted to uh, this man, Doug Stewart, and his New American Commentary on Exodus by drawing out, I think, some really fresh insights, okay? So so first, let, let's walk through the, the passage. It's obvious that Moses is struggling with his call, and the struggle is, is real. He is, he is weak. And what we see is God, um, through the first portion of this passage, really comforting um, Moses and saying, well, you know, Moses, I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. Number one, number two, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the power to perform particular signs. Okay. The sign of the staff turning to the serpent and back again and water from the Nile turning into blood and then putting your hand in your cloak and it coming out leprous and all those sorts of things. And, and he's basically saying, Moses, this is, this is the way, this is one of the ways I'm going to be with you is I'm going to have these signs that affirm my word. And that just a sidebar, not the main point of the passage, but that's how we always see signs happening in the old and new Testament there. God's servants are never performing signs just to perform signs. Um, neither does God honor the asking for signs when God has already given signs or spoken about a particular thing, or, or neither is signs ever spoken of in the, in the Bible as someone uniquely has this gift of signs or powers or wonders and can just conjure them up like a magician. That's not how the scriptures speak about these things. When you see clearly in um, the New Testament um, and in Acts and the Gospels, what we see is that God's signs are always given to God's servants to confirm his word, to confirm what he is saying, to confirm what he has already said, okay? And a lot of times we get that backwards, right? We, we want um, a sign in order to evaluate, okay, the, or to validate, okay, um, what we want to do. Um, or what we think we ought to be doing, or what we think God ought to be doing, when in fact, it's the exact opposite. God gives his word, God gives his direction, he speaks, and then at different times, at different places, he affirms that in the Bible through signs and wonders. This is not the venue to get into a whole theology of signs and wonders, but we have to, I'm just pointing this out, there is a priority in the Bible, the word, um, and then signs, and not, and not vice versa, okay? Um, so that, that, that's one observation. 
What we have, I think, is not a situation where Moses is a terrible public speaker and God gives him Aaron, who's a great public speaker. And there's a couple reasons we say this. I think first, when you look at the rest of the ministry of Moses, he obviously is not a man who struggles with speaking. He is a prophet. He is leading the people. He is eloquent. I think what we see here when in verse 10, when Moses says, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. This is what is often called in that context, sort of this exaggerated humility. Um, it was a Middle East, ancient uh, Middle East custom. Um, you know, there's a lot of examples of this in the Bible. For example, Saul saying, I'm from the least of the tribes of Benjamin and blah, 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 blah. And, and it's, it's, it's an exaggerated humility, but it's meant to demonstrate, okay, sort of a basic submission. And you notice that God is, is gracious to Moses in this exaggerated humility. And he just reminds him, hey, I'm the one who creates people the way they are, and I can use them. So another great lesson, um, whether it's blind, mute, deaf, or for some of us, ugly, okay, whatever the case is, God uses all kinds and all types. And in fact, that's how God particularly shows his glory is through, is through weak vessels. And so he's just assuring Moses here in verses 11 and 12, his, his affirmation of Moses that he'll be with him. It's only in verse 13 that things turn dicey. And it's here, Moses says, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Up to this point, we've seen all of these demonstrations of God's grace for Moses and his fears and concerns. But it's only here when Moses is, in essence, refusing his call, okay, that we see a different response from God. We say, it says that his, the Lord's anger was kindled against Moses, okay? And this, of course, raises all kinds of questions for us. Can God be angry with us? Was God really angry with Moses? Is this just a figure of speech? And and I want to say this. I think the answer to this, can God be angry with us, is to say, well, of course he can be angry with us. Um, there is a such a, th such a thing as righteous anger. Um, but there is a difference in an anger that leads to death and an anger that leads to life. Okay, so think about this as parents. If you can be righteously angry with your child, but... To engage them in a way that leads them towards redemption, healing, hope, and the gospel. There is an unrighteous way to, to be angry with your children that can lead them towards um, despair and infliction of harm and that seeks to, to, to not so much discipline them but punish them. And in the same way, this is true for God and us, of course, okay? There, there is a righteous anger on God's part here, okay? Um, but it's not an anger unto death, it's an anger unto good. In fact, this is the only only other time in Scripture we ever see a prophet, okay, um, um, refusing the call of God was who? Jonah, okay? So Moses joins that esteemed company, okay? But the way that God responds to Moses' lack of faith in his rebellion is to say, have I not given you Aaron? So in other words... Um, it's not because Moses was a terrible public speaker, okay? It's because God is saying, listen, Moses, of course I'm going to provide for you. Of course I'm going to give you all the resources and tools that you need. I just ask you to be obedient. So be obedient, Moses. Go be my, 
by spokesman. And what we see here is this is not a judgment against Moses to include Aaron. This is an accommodation. It's grace, okay? Um, he is basically saying, hey, look, am I not going to take care of you? Look, behold your brother, okay? And he's very clear um, that he is going, look at verse 15, you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. See, so they're, they're, they're kind of these co, these co-speakers, but it is God's um, measure of grace to give Moses a partner in ministry at this point of his, of his young ministry life. It's not because he's a terrible speaker. Um, it's, it's, in fact, we, we see quite the evidence to quite the opposite all throughout the Pentateuch, right? This is a lesson about Moses um, refusing the grace of God, feeling like he doesn't, he can't do this on his own, which is true, but then refusing the call versus God saying, no, 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 that's the whole point. Of course you're weak. Of course you don't think you can do it. Um, but I'm with you and I'll give you all the resources. Okay. Well, great lesson for us. Okay. God's going to give us what we need to do what he's called us to do. Um, we don't know what form that will always take, what kind of helpers he will give us. Paul Tripp says every day he prays that God will give him help and that he will have wisdom to know who those helpers are. Um, and so it's, it's a sense sometimes we can have a faux humility, right? Like Moses where it's really just pride in disguise, right? What we're really afraid of is how will we look if we fail? And so we sort of take this, oh no, I can never do that. I can never serve in that way. I can never be involved in that way. I can never do this particular thing. And really it's not humility, it's pride. Because we're afraid of failing and afraid of what other people will say or think about us if we fail in front of them. And so God's saying, Moses, I've even got that covered, okay? I've got grace for you in this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you um, a helper. And, and so we see the anger of God here is redemptive, okay? It's coming alongside of Moses. It has his good in mind. In the same way, our anger, and we can have a righteous anger, um, should always be redemptive, should always be seeking to push people towards the Lord and the gospel and not, and not away. And that's how we can discern sometimes whether our anger is righteous or unrighteous. Are we striking out against people or are we pressing into people for their good, okay, and the glory of God. All right, so these are just a few little lessons from Exodus chapter 4. We're going to pick it up tomorrow morning, same time, same station, where we see what happens when Moses returns to Egypt. All right, let's pray. Lord, um, we don't want to have a faux humility. We want to have a real humility, Lord, we cannot do what you've called us to do. We cannot, we don't have the strength, the wisdom, the power, the know-how. But Lord, you do. And we ask that you would give it to us and that you would give us your help and that we would be able to recognize it when you send it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thanks everybody. I think we got it all figured out now. See you guys.